This episode of The Green Rush is brought to you by Heffernan Insurance Brokers. For a long time, cannabis companies have been shut out of many financial and insurance opportunities. That has now changed as cannabis companies have an option that can change their company's bottom line. Berkshire Hathaway is exclusively partnered with Heffernan Insurance Brokers, and the first work comp dividend program for businesses in the cannabis industry is now available nationwide. Rates that are filed in states across the U.S. can receive up to 40% of your premium back. So if you're an MSO that would like to have the potential to receive premium back on your work comp, give Kevin Tarango at Heffernan Insurance Brokers a ring at 415-699-2022 or go to hefcan.com. That's H-E-F-F-C-A-N-N.com. Support Heffernan Insurance Brokers' efforts to strengthen the cannabis community and revolutionize how cannabis companies buy work comp insurance. Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, Ann and Phil Carlson are joined by David Trailer. Senior Managing Director of Golden Eagle Partners, a cannabis investment bank and trusted advisor to cannabis leaders worldwide. After advising on various transactions in the life science sector, Trailer took an interest in the cannabis industry and started working with legal companies in 2013. In the following year, he joined Cerna Inc. as Chief Business Officer. After a productive year spent at Cerna, Trailer refounded Golden Eagle Partners to provide his knowledge to companies across the cannabis sector. In this episode, Ann and Phil sit down with David to discuss the shift in finding capital within the cannabis industry over the last decade. David also shares advice for operators in the current climate and his thoughts on the current state of legislation. He also discusses upcoming conferences such as Davos, Benzinga, and CanMed. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Senior Managing Director of Golden Eagle Partners, David Trailer. So David, thank you for joining us today. Can you- Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Um, can you first introduce yourself to our listeners and, and tell us how you got into cannabis? Yeah, thanks, Phil, and thanks, everybody, for listening uh, today. It's a Friday, but whatever time you guys, day you have it. Um, hope you guys, uh, everybody listening, has a great day. But I'm David Trailer, I'm Senior Managing Director, Golden Eagle Partners. Golden Eagle Partners is an investment bank in cannabis. We've been in it a long time, since 2013, for nine years, last December and also internationally for seven years. Uh, frankly, we've been very lucky to be where we're at because I started in biotech, have 15 years of operational experience in biotech, got into investment banking, did biotech investment banking up until uh, 2013. And then when being in Colorado, uh, when things legalized in Washington, Colorado, we started looking in the industry and, and jumped in. So we've done 25 plus deals in the space and talked on cannabis around the US and certainly around the world. Uh, but, you know, the, it's a good question, Phil. I mean, 
most people have a real more interesting story than I do when it comes to getting into cannabis. I was in Colorado, as I said, in 2013 and, and being from biotech and, and, you know, being kind of an opportunistic uh, perspective on things. Uh, being in Colorado, I looked at it. And if you really looked at it back then and even now, uh, you know, if you look at cannabis, whether and we can talk about what the definition of cannabis is in a minute. But the thought was, if you look at it, it's it's highly regulated. It's uh, a biological supply chain. When you really look at it, it's, it's, it is a drug and that's very similar to biotech. So that's why we we jumped in. Well, so you teed up um, our next question pretty well. So you've been raising money for almost a decade in cannabis, which is like your OG considered, right? Um, <laughs> so, and you mentioned this definition of cannabis. So can you give us your definition of cannabis and and then talk about how finding capital um, is similar to biotech and, and you know, or, or what makes it different? Yeah, thanks, Anne. Uh, sure, well, so... Our thought on cannabis is, is the fact that since cannabis is really the genus of the plant that we consider it, and everybody knows, right? It's really a matter of the level of THC that makes it different. If you know, with your with the FDA, you know, marijuana is 0.3 percent or higher. A lot of people don't believe that's a derogatory term, but our thought is so we we break it down in and, and fill into a number of sectors. First, THC plus, so marijuana or whatever. We don't believe that you should consider that marijuana is cannabis. Uh, so we consider THC plus, THC minus, which is otherwise known as hemp. But I think also you can break down THC minus into like industrial hemp because that plant has different fiber characteristics than maybe something that's uh, been bred for being a producer of CBD. So then we also break it down between industrial hemp and then molecular hemp. Uh, so that's how we look at it. But I think as far as looking at capital i mean the main thing is everybody knows right now it's not easy it's not easy finding capital to uh, do your operations and it was really not easy uh back in the day so i didn't mention before that in 2014 i joined cerna as chief business officer cerna was one of the first public companies first three public companies in the sector and it was interesting because I remember back then in 2015 we tried to raise 3.5 million. And it wasn't a, it wasn't you know slam dunk. It was not easy. And then you certainly had a couple of years later with this flood of capital, especially into the Canadian LPs and some of the MSOs. And obviously that kind of has come and gone. So there there's a lot of similarities now to what there was before, uh, because certainly you have to be creative. Uh, back in the day, I think the one thing though that's that's really different now is in the, back in the day there's this kind of new thing with cannabis and people were really excited about it. I think the big problem between five six years ago and now is the fact that there's been a lot of failures and a lot of people running companies that frankly didn't know what they were doing or thought it was easy, right? Every A lot of people thought, oh, well, you know, it's growing the weed, right? You're going to be a marijuana millionaire. That was yeah, the story, right? you know? And I, th I think that's the one thing that uh, a lot of people have really learned that uh, that it's not easy. And one thing we've said for a long time is that the problem with uh, the industry is there's too much arrogance and too little humility. And now I think, I think we were talking to you guys the other day that, yeah, now as of 2022 and this year, 2023, there's uh, now humility going around because of what's happening. So, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, the last couple of years, like you said, it's, it's just been very, 
very tough out there for, you know, operators, um, investors, but you know, like, even though the markets aren't that great, like what are some of the benefits for some of these operators or for some of these investors with the current market malaise? Tell us the good news, David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, there's, there's not a good news. Next question. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no, well, so I think there are a couple of things. One is you were, we're calling it cannabis 2.0, maybe, or maybe it's 3.0, who knows? Or maybe that's the stu- a, a stupid nomenclature. I think it's 3.0 right now. I, I yeah. Think. yeah, or 1.1. One one or. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think the one thing that's interesting is that the, the, the lack of execution, well, let me jump back. One thing is just to be you know, to give MSOs and LPs and a lot of these operators some some cred is the fact that it's not an easy freaking industry, right? I mean, you have 280E and the complexity and all the different, you know, agencies this industry goes across. It's very unique. You know, you got the FDA, the DEA, the, you know, the Fed, uh, you know, the Treasury, all that stuff, uh, IRS, right? Um, so it is tough. But, you know, I think one thing with the, a lot of these MSOs, and LPs with what they've done. And I, I'm not going to use failure in the same sentence because, uh, you know, that's probably not too kind. But, you know, look at what, you know, Curly announced last Friday, they're pulling out of California and Oregon and Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we recently talked to somebody at Canopy Growth. There's been certainly a lot of changes there. There's been changes to a lot of these companies. Um, so I think that's providing a lot of really good opportunity for, the smaller players to take market share. Um, also, you know, new geographies are coming online and we'd like to use, since we're international, we use geographies, not just states, but, you know, you have New Jersey coming online. Missouri uh, today. Um, Surprised yeah. everybody. Yeah, Missouri. Four days uh, early. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, Ann, that, that uh, if you guys look up, when I, I went to Davos a number of years ago and, and uh, luckily enough got quoted in Rolling Stone when I was there, and the quote was the fact that, you know, that was when Oklahoma and Utah went legal medically, and which kind of blew us away. Because if you look at the, the church attendance per capita back then, Utah was number one, and I think Oklahoma was number seven or something like that. So we're, we're using that as a proxy on conservativeness. And when they, you know, flipped over to us, it was like, you know, a holy shit moment, frankly, and that continues today. So I think that's one of the benefits that you're still seeing new states, you know, Arkansas, West Virginia, you know, some of these states coming online. The other thing is that you actually, and you mentioned it earlier in the week is, you know, the, I think there's going to be a net benefit as far as hires go. There's certainly companies laying off. But, you know, there's definitely new states coming online and new uh, companies and new operators coming online. And that's going to be another uh, positive for 2023. Well, so you mentioned Davos um, and and, you know, when we did talk earlier this week, um, you you mentioned these points, these three points. Um, Can you walk us through those points and. and I mean, you touched a little bit on how they're they're still relevant today, but can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. And so when uh, we went over there, which actually, uh, to be frank, if you had ever told me that I'd ever be in Davos during the World Economic Forum, I told you that you're high. <laughs> talking about, about cannabis. You're talking about cannabis or any other substance. Right. Uh, so that was definitely interesting. You're probably the most popular guy there. 
Uh, definitely, uh, there was a lot of looky loose coming into the uh, uh, Canatech. Actually, had a we also spoke at the Canatech event. So yeah, there was a a lot of people looking for free samples. Uh, but uh, the one thing that we went over there, and and the one thing that's been a benefit also to uh, having worked in a, a Berlin-based biotech company. Uh, and if I may, real quick, is that that was a really good learning experience because biotech was really kind of invented in the U.S. And then when I went over to run the U.S. operations for this company and then go to Berlin, you know, it was, it was a good slice of humble pie because, you know, I realized that there's great science everywhere. And the fact that if you're an American biotech guy, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, the, the man, that there's there's good stuff everywhere and great stuff. So that that humble aspect we applied to Davos when we went over there and said, you know, here's three things that we learned uh, here in the U.S. or North America the last few years, and they might or may not apply to Europe, but I think they have, looking back in retrospect, three years ago last month when we were in Davos in 2020, uh, three things we mentioned is that there's little history of first mover advantage in cannabis. Geographies, for the most part, take longer to roll out uh, than people expect, and then biological supply chains are inherently unstable. So taking the last one, uh, that comes from my biotech background and the fact that when I was working in biotech and you'd scale up a process and all of a sudden using, you know, like E. coli bacteria, you'd have some protein impurity come out of nowhere. And so that's one thing most of these operators didn't appreciate, whether it's canopy harvest, you know, a lot of these MSOs and LPs, they just thought that they could grab a lot of cultivation and mash it together. Uh, and we knew that that wasn't going to work. And I think that proof's in the pudding there, uh, looking back in the rearview mirror. Geographies, for the most part, take longer to roll out. I mean, that's easy to bring up a lot of, ex you know, examples of that. Uh, I think that's still true. I mean, if you look at Massachusetts, that took longer. Spain's taking longer. Washington, when it's compared to Colorado, took longer. Now, there are certainly examples of, like, you know, sort of, uh, Nevada, Illinois, on the adult use side, Colorado rolled out very quickly. But I think those are very rare. I mean, if you look at Spain, Germany, I think, you know, we were had a panel in Las Vegas and a lot of the leading co uh, personalities in Germany just a couple of months ago said that they expected Germany to be adult use in early 2024. And I think late, lately now they're looking at 2025. Yeah, they just punted it. It's 2025 now. That's yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, and then the last thing is the little history, a little history of first mover advantage. And, you know, there's a ton of examples. Like, so as I mentioned, I was at uh, CERNA, if you went to the the main event back in the day in 2013, 2014, was not MJ Biz, it was the NCIA event. And CERNA had the biggest booth, they had the biggest name, and then you had Dixie Elixir. Uh, where are they now? You know, they they were acquired. MedMen was one of the biggest ones, right? Acreage, John Boehner, where is Acreage now? And then oh, yeah. Canopy Growth. I mean, look at Canopy Growth. I mean, who knows what's going to happen there? But we've recently talked to some people there, and there's been a lot of change over there. So... Uh, you know, I, that's kind of just to wrap that up in a nutshell, you guys, is that we're not uh, always the smartest person in the room, but we have a lot of humility, but we also look back on things and try to learn from from our failures. And, and we think that that allows us to provide more value to our clients. So, you know, you mentioned a number of operators there. You know, So what recommendations do you have for operators in the current environment? What What recommendations do you have for investors in the current environment? Uh, well, um, uh, duck and cover. No, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's uh, the investors are living under the table, so they're there. Yeah, right. I'm well, under the table right now. Phil yeah. is recording from under the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for for operators, uh, I I think a couple of things. Uh, for one, uh, thinking back in the day with Jack Welch and GE. You guys remember that, that, you know, one reason why they succeeded that, you know, he picked, you know, products or sectors or, you know, services when they were top one or two and then focused on that. And that's the thing that I would recommend to operators find what you're good at. That's kind of what we've been doing at Golden Eagle Partners for the last nine years is maintaining our, you know, knowing what we're good at. Uh, Number two, keep the faith. I mean, you know, it's always darkest right before the dawn. And, you know, it, it sounds schmaltzy, but coming from biotech, you know, we're used to this. Uh, biotech has been whipsawed in capital markets going back to since Genentech went public in 78. And then the one thing I think to me is most important is don't make a strategic or tactical decision on what you think the national state government's going to do. I mean, that's complete stupidity and people are doing that. People were assuming that safe was safe banking act was going to go through at the end of the year. And we don't listen to that noise. We, you know, if it goes through, it goes through, but anybody that's running any company, whether it's cannabis or not, and you're making important strategic and tactical decisions on what you think is going to happen, the government is, is not very smart. Now, as far as investors and recommendations, you know, to us, uh, there's still, you know, I mean, the valuations are low, so it's a buying environment. It's, It's a great time to invest in companies and to that end, Due diligence is critical, right? And for us, when we we do a lot of due diligence, right? Because we have a brand that we want to protect. So we only want to work with the top companies. And, and luckily, we have that brand now and we can do that. Uh, but what we look at is experience, focus, and hubris. I mean, if somebody comes to us and, you know, acts like that they're, you know, I mean, how many times have you guys seen that? That's the other thing talking to investors is, you know, it's usually better to invest in somebody that has experience in the industry, but better yet, if they don't have experience, which is okay, if they have any kind of, you know, small bit of arrogance, you know, I would run screaming from the building because I can't tell you guys, and I'm sure you've seen it too, where you have operators come in and think that everybody in cannabis is not that smart and that they're going to take it over and they end up, you know, after a year of getting their, you know, what handed to them. Oh, there's plenty of those guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seen years. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and then also, you know, as I said, don't say no, it's a buyer's market. Uh, just make sure that, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. And uh, the other thing is picks and shovels. Right. I still think that that's one reason why I joined Cerna is that we believe that, you know, like uh, like in some of these biotech tool companies like Illumina, the companies are really going to make a lot of money. We believe or more money are the ones that are, you know, ancillary. Uh, to the industry. And the last thing too, is that we've been talking to a number of investors for a number of years and also companies, strategic companies, a lot of uh, MSOs here about international opportunities. And they all mostly say, well, there's enough opportunity here. And, you know, so there's some great opportunities internationally. So that's another thing for investors. Well, let's stay with, with international for a second. Um, so, you know, you, you, we, we touched on Germany a, a little bit here. Um, are you seeing the same issues with um, access to capital 
access to capital internationally um, as you do in the U.S. And I guess, does it make sense to go by region? I mean, now we're talking about like Thailand, you know, coming on board, like, you know, or uh, uh, just can you talk a little bit about how that differs or maybe it's the same? Yeah, that's a good question, Anne. Um, well, I, one thing I want to mention is, is st stupidity is everywhere. <laughs> it's one uh, constant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, as, as we were talking to you guys, I mean, one thing about common sense is it's not that common. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be like the slug line has we promote this, like stupidity yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. Well, the one thing I failed to mention to you guys that, and this is also goes, uh, international is the one thing that we say about the most predictable thing in cannabis is it's unpredictability is that's one of our sayings. And that's, as everybody knows, that's totally true. But like, yeah. for example, we came across a, a group that was trying to sell an asset in Cyprus and they would, uh, constructed a facility, a hydroponic facility to do hemp, to do an industrial hemp, which is, has to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, you know, that just doesn't have it. But uh, for international, another point uh, there, you know, there's pockets of capital uh, as, as we see in the U.S. I think that's the similarity is the fact that I think some of the more successful companies have found regional capital, whether, you know, you're in Colorado in the early days or or like Missouri's we mentioned coming online. Uh, some of those operators definitely found find more capital locally. And I think we've seen the same thing uh, internationally, where a lot of the German operators or Portuguese operators are, mm. are finding success by finding local capital. Uh, the other thing uh, is government funding, I think, has been uh, a benefit both here and internationally because, you know, for example, in Greece, there's definitely some, some easier money support from the government because they see the opportunity with cannabis and the fact that, you know, you have an EU comp uh, country that if you can cultivate in, in Greece, then, you know, maybe there's a benefit uh, to the fact that you can uh, import and export. Um, but, you know, one of the common things too internationally and both in the U.S. too is that, you know, the borders are are not as frictionless as people expect them to be. Like, mm -hmm. you know, people have been doing Colombia mm -hmm. and Lesotho and, and Greece and trying to export to places and it's not as easy as it sounds and likewise too in the U.S., right? You know, you can't grow weed in Colorado and send it to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, right? We'll, we'll see if it works in California. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Phil, that's it. That's yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Phil, that's a good thing you bring up. I should have mentioned that as far as being uh, having a degree of of optimism for this year is that, yeah, if the attorney general for California takes, uh, I guess, that memo to heart and believes that, you know, we can really drive, you know, cross-border or cross interstate commerce from the state instead of the national level, that could be huge. So, but how is that going to work with like state taxes, right? Like say you're shipping from California to Nevada, like are, are both states going to double tax it? Like that's, you know, I know we're still, we like, like, let's get that through the door first, right? Before we yeah. start talking about taxes. Such but, a downer, Phil. Gosh, I'm being a realist. I'm being a realist here. Well, right? I, it, that's going to be something that comes up. People are going to bitch about it, right? Yeah. Well, 
And, you know, Phil and Anne, that's an interesting point, too, that, you know, bringing up as far as the national perspective. And again, you know, we're being uh, putting a, 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 you know, optimistic face on this. But one of the more realistic aspects, too, is the fact that maybe it's better to drive it from the state side, because our thought is that, as I mentioned before, the complexity of this industry going across all these different, you know, IRS, FDA, USDA, all these different uh, agencies, you know, if they ever pass anything, our belief is that, you know, the politicians, and I can say this because both my parents were politicians, they're going to screw it up. And so it's not going to be black and white. It's right. going to be a mess. And, and a good example is one of our clients back in 2019, as you guys may remember that big story where they had a, a load of hemp being shipped in a semi from Kentucky to Colorado and the guy ran a red light in Oklahoma and they thought it was the biggest drug bust ever. Unfortunately, you know, the 2018 farm bill was passed less than a month before, but obviously the Oklahoma people didn't get the memo. Right. So right. that's another problem, right? Even if you do pass some of this legisl legislation, not everybody's going to get the memo. That's crazy that it happened in Oklahoma, which is like the wild west right now. Of, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, it's unbelievable well that's another thing i not to go off the, the rails on this but the interstate commerce question we're talking about i mean if you look at the numbers of sa the sales numbers in oklahoma i think first year it was you know over 300k and the next year it was 800 or 800 million and then the next year is over a billion and you can't tell me that that's all being consumed in oklahoma oh, there's like four people in oklahoma like who, who is using that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I was at, I've been to a few dispensaries in Oklahoma and, um, you know, they're, this was back in what, 2018, 2019, and they were having trouble keeping product on the shelf. Yeah. So yeah, the people are using it. Yeah. In, in Austin, UT. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Norman, right. Anyway, so, you know, we keep going back 2018, 2019, you know, what are your thoughts on the cannabis sector, you know, going three years forward? Like, where are we going to be in 2026? Yeah, I, you know, frankly, Phil, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, one thing that we uh, always no, say is that, wrong every, for the last <laughs> eight years, we've been. Yeah, doing right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before about the, you know, unpredictability. Um, but you know, I, the one thing, uh, we have been, uh, pretty lucky over the last few years, as far as seeing what was, what was coming down the pike. Uh, I mean, one of the things as far as like take cultivation, I mean, that, uh, obviously right now is very tough. Uh, as you guys have seen a lot of these, these, uh, major operators have shuttered, you know, Aurora shuttered their big facility by the Edmonton airport, I think a year or two ago. Yep. So that I think is going to be more refined. Uh, I think there's going to be, you know, more technology applied to cultivation. Certainly you're going to have, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, you know, these alternative production methods like chemistry or using yeast. Our thought on that is that it's probably going to be a combination. Our thought is that what's going to win out as far as production of these molecules is that it's going to be, uh, the most efficient and cost-effective method's going to win out. And that comes from my biotech background. So it's probably going to be a combination of phytosources and, and also technology. Uh, as we mentioned before, we believe in the next three years, legalization won't solve everything. 
and it's not going to be black and white. So I think uh, the operators that are able to deal with a you know fast changing environment are going to benefit. Uh, technology is going to take hold, and I think we mentioned to you guys some of the things we're sponsoring. Uh, CanMed's coming down the pipe, and we can talk about that in a minute. But uh, we think certainly there's going to be more technology applied. For example, we've talked to a company that's using AI to diagnose the health uh, of plants. Uh, oh, that's you know, cool. Cannabis plants, yeah, right. Um, I feel like um, I need that in my backyard. Yeah, right. Yeah, or even in you know your house if you know make. Give they don't. Your, they don't uh, stay alive in my house, but sure, <laughs> we'll say that for argument's sake. Right. Uh, and then the last thing is, as I mentioned before, you know, I think we're going to continue to find that borders are not as frictionless as people hope. I mean, that's one thing to bring up too, that for example, Europe is, is different because they don't have 280E, right? They don't have the IRS tax code issue to deal with, which has been a, a bane of the cannabis company existence here in the States. But they also have the issue of the single uh, convention of the UN from 1961, which doesn't allow importation or exportation between countries in Europe of, you know, uh, narcotics. Mm -hmm. So uh, right now they're trying to figure that out and that's going to be a whole nother thing. Like, for example, that's one reason I think why they pushed out Germany's legalization, because it turns out not only does the German government have to weigh in on this, but I think the EU has to uh, weigh in whether they're going to, you know, enforce 1961 or not. So, So Let's talk conferences. Um, you know, you guys are sponsors for some upcoming shows, in, including the Benzinga Conference, um, April 11th through the 13th at the Fountain Blue in Miami. Uh, go to Benzinga.com to get your tickets. You're welcome, Patrick. Uh, CanMed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's going to pay dearly for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the ICBC show, which is uh, the premier show in Europe, right? Uh, in Berlin, which is happening at the end of June. So what about these events that, you know, that made your team at Golden Eagle want to partner and and participate? Yeah, thanks, Phil. Uh, well, one thing that we've always thought that's been important, and we spend quite a bit every year, like last year, we did more events than we've ever done. We sponsored and participated in 10 events. Uh, we're going to be a little more uh, select this year obviously uh first strings are a little tightened but you know one thing we're doing with these events is most of our competition frankly is having a tough go i mean frankly can of course not that active in the space i mean they've gone off to other sectors where they can make money uh cannabis is what we do now we're getting into psychedelics a little too and i'll be talking on the psychedelics panel and at benzinga but the reason why we're wanted to to do this is we want to put the hammer down when some of our competition is faltering so Benzing is the first one in April, as you mentioned. Uh, we're the lead sponsor on that. Uh, we it's not obviously cheap, but we want to continue to show that you know we got our first uh, or we got an M and A deal done in December, not our first one, but when people are getting deals done, so we want to you know put money back into the business, and so that was uh, important. And the reason why we're doing Benzinga to your question is the fact uh, we missed it last year because we had uh, some other obligations we committed to, which was a big mistake. Well, it wasn't a big mistake to go to those other events, but, you know, we missed out. Benzinga was a great event, so we said we got to do it. So that's one reason why we're doing that. And then come May is CanMed, which is one of the premier, if not the premier, event for cannabis and science uh, every year. They're doing it at Marco Island for the first time. 
and they're doing a capital markets one day workshop for the first time on May 15th before the event starts. And we beat out Cowan and Stiefel to sponsor that. Medicinal Genomics is the main sponsor of this whole event. And it's, you know, we're going to, we're putting together an event. Uh, I'm going to be on panels with, you know, Dee Dee Myrie, uh, Ethan Rousseau, Deb Kimless, Stacey Gruber, Hunter Land, leading science people and IP people, et cetera, from around the world. Uh, and then the final one thing, as you mentioned, ICBC in June, uh, we found that we sponsored that last year. Uh, we're going to be the lead sponsor of their global investor forum before ICBC starts in Berlin. That's in June. And we found that to be the premier international conference. Uh, it's like the MJ biz for international cannabis. And Alex Rogers has put a great event together. We went last year and we believe that's also another event that we can't miss. So. Yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about ICBC, and then they are—they're also—they have that global investment forum as well for investors, right? That—that that, I think that's going to be a couple of days beforehand. So, those are some uh, some good shows coming up that you guys are uh, participating and sponsoring. At, so that's great. Um, you know, I know I—I I definitely have a few more questions here um, in regards to you know the market itself, like. How did we get to where we are today in U.S. cannabis? Like we've, there's been highs, there's been lows, there's been really highs again, February 2021, and now we're here, like <laughs> <laughs> under the table, <laughs> under the table, exactly. Well, I, I I think probably one of the big problems, Phil, is there hasn't been enough highs, like H-I-G-H, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well. I think part of it, you know, well, one, one thing to be candid is the fact that one thing we believe, whether it's cannabis or any other industry, one of the best predictors of failure of a CEO is if they come from the finance industry. And I know that's pretty controversial, but I believe I can say that because I work in finance, but I also have 15 years of operational experience in leading biotech companies, you know, being a project manager at Affymetrics, being a grunt, you know, I wasn't always on senior management teams, but the, the key to great companies, we believe, and having that experience is the fact that these companies find really good people like Cisco, you name it, whatever some of the top companies, Amazon, they find really good people to do the menial, really crappy jobs and do them well and do them every day and do them at the highest ability. And that's what makes really good companies, whether it's cannabis or not. And we haven't had enough of that. And that's getting back to the finance thing is, most finance people think that, you know, that's, they don't know that. They think that things automatically manage themselves to completion. When I joined Cerna, they were doing this major product development that they kept on and they were public companies. So they kept on saying, we're going to release it at such and such a time. And I came on from my project management background and did a Gantt chart and said, and this is January, 2015. I said, we're not going to launch that. We're not going to launch that until September of this year. And it's just doing the simple things as opposed to assuming everything's going to happen. So that was, that's been one of the problems. Another problem is growing weed is easy. You know, it's not easy. I mean, well, growing weed is easy. Growing really top quality cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> great cannabis is yeah. not easy. Right. Uh, and, and we mentioned before common sense, not that common. I mean, everybody thinks that, you know, I mean, this is, we go back to another point to reiterate this industry is not easy. I have a, I have a, a follow up there. You know, you, um, you 
yeah, you're, um, you have a pretty impressive list of, of tombstones on your transaction um, page on your website. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, looking at the management teams and, and, you know, what you're looking for. How do you find the companies to invest in? Are you getting pitched all the time? Are you like trolling? How do you, how do you find these companies? Yeah, that's a great question, Anne. And just to be clear, we don't have a fund we invest in. We're we're transactional professionals, but the whole goal and the reason why investment banking and cannabis is unlike any other industry is that, you know, there's a less of a smaller pool of potential investors out there. So it's really, I mean, our motto to and people in the industry will laugh at this because they know it's true. Our motto is we waste our time so you don't have to, meaning our clients don't have to, right? Because it's it's really hard to to go out and find out who has money, who doesn't, who's real and who's not. Right. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that's been cool about it is that we have one of the leading brands globally. And I always wondered what it was like to be at like Goldman Sachs or Merrill Lynch when, you know, you don't have to pick up the phone and do business development. You just, you know, people come to you. And that's frankly what's happened to us in the last two or three years. We don't really have to do a lot of business development. I mean, our, our main business development is Benzinga and ICBC and CanMed and events, trailblazers, stuff like that, right? That's yeah. our main thing is we want to get out there and show the fact that we're unique. Uh, we've been around the block and we know what we're talking about. And so that's kind of uh, comes through our websites. Uh, a number of clients have come through events that we've talked at. Uh, we keep track of that. Uh, and then also we have a CRM, which is awesome too, because one of the things we do track is we do track where the th things come from. Like for example, you know, if they come from somebody else, uh, we want to track that, you know? So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's, yeah, that's where it comes from. So looking at, at the next 11 months here, you know, throughout the rest of 2023, what would you define as a big win for Golden Eagle or for the industry? Or for both. Yeah. Well, to be frank, and it sounds schmaltzy, but, you know, a big win for us would be to close all the transactions we're working on. I mean, the most important thing for us is is our clients, right? So if we can have success for our clients, that's going to be success for us. That's, that's the bottom line, right? Uh, yeah. As far as, you know, a big uh, win, and this is a tough question because, you know, again, to break it down, like for US THC plus, THC plus companies, uh, a big win would be hopefully to have some movement on regulation. Like, for example, we mentioned the California AG and maybe considering interstate commerce, that would be huge. Uh, for the US uh, THC minus or hemp companies, uh, more to culling of the herd would probably be beneficial. I mean, what's happening now is you're having companies producing you know, CB, uh, CB, uh, DO, uh, THCVA, all these different molecules, and they're throwing it out on the market. Who knows if that's GMP or not? And that's the, the amount of noise in that market is just immense and that continues. So that would help worldwide THC plus companies. Uh, we think that hopefully that more regulators will take heed of, of previous mistakes. Like for example, I don't think that's happening in New York. I think, uh, you know, and like in Germany, I think they've they've done a good job of that. I think 
you know, German uh, regulators who come over to the U.S. a number of times and and talked. And we know this because we've talked to Lou Koski, who used to be one of the main people here at the MED Marijuana Enforcement Division in Colorado. And so I think they're doing a good job of that. And then for THC minus worldwide, you know, build a future and hopefully have some of the stuff like industrial hemp take hold, you know, for example, I don't know if you guys knew, you know, the model a Ford or maybe it's a model T one of the Fords had hemp used in, in its production in some of the parts of that were made. And also Levi jeans had hemp back in the 1880s, I think. So hopefully we actually have some of this stuff as far as THC minus industrial hemp worldwide comes back in the floor that we realize that this plan is an amazing plan and we can provide, you know, this, com- this, this world needs to be more green, right? Right. And I mean, I've heard there's, a, there's amazing technology behind some of like the building mis- materials and construction materials, um, you know, with hemp based, I'm not going to say it right, but concrete. Uh, yeah, or- well, yeah, like, Ann, yeah. I've, I've heard it and I think it's the R value. I don't know much about it, but yeah, supposedly the insulation capability of, of uh, hempcrete is much higher yeah. than normal concrete. And apparently it has like an antibacterial nature to it. So there's like less mold and all of that stuff. So I, I'm fascinated in that and I need to actually do some more research there. Maybe we'll get someone on the pod um, who knows who knows a little bit more about that eventually um, because I think that's pretty cool. Um, well, one last thing too on that to, to, to line out that question is that hopefully by the end of this year, you know, wins and stuff, or actually, you know, what is a big news item? Uh, you know, hopefully people get, you know, more respect for cannabis to get more respect for plant-based medicines. You know, as we mentioned, psychedelics, we're starting to do some of that stuff. But more importantly, I think that all wraps up into more respect for Mother Earth because, you know, I have two daughters and I don't want want to leave a burning cinder for the earth for my daughters and their their kids either, right? Yep. Um, so David, last question. What's the one story that you don't think gets enough attention? What do you want to open the front pages of the New York Times tomorrow and see about this industry? Uh, good question. And well, I think one of the things is is hopefully at some point we're going to get rid of, uh, you know, the, the stigma of the I mean, one of the big problems I think that we find and, and I, we believe and maybe most people don't believe we believe the medical uh, use of this plant worldwide is going to be a bigger money maker than the adult use side of cannabis. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We think, we think that the main money is going to be over time. Well, I think the one thing, and, and this gets back to, I guess, to answer your question to us, the big puzzle with this industry is the fact you have all these different cannabinoids you know, CBG, CBC, and flavonoids and terpenes. Let's go there too, because there's been some really interesting work done with adding terpenes to preparations and having better efficacy. Uh, nobody ever really talks about the terps. Uh, and then you have all these indications, right? All these different diseases. All I mean, how many different types of cancers, right? And so the big work to us is finding out which of these molecules or combinations of molecules work for which indications like we work with a company called Flavicure that's working with a flavonoid that's shown shown some really interesting efficacy in pancreatic cancer. So I, our hope is that by the end of this year, people really take more notice the fact that this is not just a bunch of people out getting high and the fact that there's a lot of value to be generated from this industry and it's just starting. 
right? And but we got to get rid of those, a lot of these stigmas sooner than later. So I know I said that that I had, that was the last question, but now I have another. Um, you know, you talk about um, the the medical um, capacity here, and um, and you do have you know uh, some business and interest in the the psychedelics industry, and they they have taken a much more medical FDA path approach um, for things like MDMA assisted um, psychotherapy. But do you think that by um, the way the cannabis industry has grown in the U.S., which is very started medical, but now it's very consumer based. I mean, we now care about like, you know, uh, products like gummies and and joints and all of this stuff. So it's very product based. Do you think that we've done a disservice um, and taken away for some from some of the medical research? Like, I don't know much medical research really happening in the U.S. Like it seems to be happening in Germany and Israel and the U.K. Like has the U.S., and Australia, like, so has the U.S. really like lost footing there because they decided to go this state by state CPG focused route? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, I, I think, uh, well, I, for one, are, and again, I think it's, well, it's not very controversial. I think it's fact is that regulators are always behind the curve. I mean, I'm in the finance, I'm registered with FINRA, SEC, look at Bitcoin and crypto. You can't tell me that they're ahead of the curve on that. And also the FDA with cannabis. The FDA is not, FDA is, needs to get their you-know-what together because they haven't done enough. They approved Epidiolex, so what? I mean, you know, and then they had uh, Biden sign that thing last year to like open it up for, and most people, some people made a big deal. I think that was nothing. It's, it was non-event. Uh, and so I think, you know, yeah, going back to the medical and also maybe even adult use, you know, going over to Europe and going to different places in Dubai, you know, the U.S. is screwing this up. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee that the U.S. is going to be the top cannabis market uh, in the coming years because, you know, if people are smarter and the regulators are smarter than the U.S. government's been. And as you guys know, the government right now is, is I mean, they couldn't even get a speaker dealt with that was like the worst thing that had happened getting a speaker elected in like a, over 100 years right you can't tell me that the 15 times the charm yeah right 15, <laughs> i mean you can't tell me that the government's going to be functional which is not a great thing for cannabis in the u.s to be frank but yeah. it gets back to the original assertion that don't watch what's in the papers on the government you know be mindful of what you're doing in your business and don't deal with all the noise just do what you can to operate and be smart about your money. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, I think that's good, a good kind of summation of, of what we've been talking about. Bill, did you uh, have yeah, anything but- else to add? <laughs> I, there was, I was actually just going, I, cause I wrote down a few things here, but you know, Flavicure definitely sounds interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm assuming they're private. Yeah, they're private. Uh, you know, so this is a, and that's the cool thing about this industry is you learn about uh, new things all the time. Uh, but there's, yeah, Fla- Flavicure's uh, trying to get, they're filing an IND and it's a flavonoid and actually flavonoids, different flavonoids have shown to be e- efficacious, but they also have an effect that I'd never heard of before uh, where the fact that, if you are able to, uh, and this was first found in the fifties, where if you treat a, the primary cancer, sometimes your, your immune system will then start attacking. If you do it right, will activate 
through your entire body. So if uh, you hit the primary cancer sometime, metastases will go away too. So that's what they're going after. Wow. Yeah, so, it's uh, some really okay, cool stuff. So. Like healthcare, life sciences companies, wouldn't they want to look at this company? Yeah, well, uh, we're that's one one thing you were doing, you guys. Is uh, we've done over, you know, using my biotech connections, going out to like we connected with uh, the head of BD for CNS Neuroscience for Eli Lilly in the UK yesterday. So we're we're going out to a lot of these companies. The problem is though that they say, well, mm -hmm. yeah, we're not looking at cannabis. We decide not to do cannabis. And it's like this isn't cannabis. It's, it's a molecule, guys. It's a flavonoid. You can get flavonoids all kinds of different places, right? So, right. again, it's this kind of messaging and these stigmas that we're still trying to overcome, Phil, because, yeah, it's like, shouldn't you look at it? Uh, you know, we, we talked to uh, Barbara Dalton last year on Pfizer. She's the head of Pfizer Ventures. It's like, yeah, would you look at this now? We're not doing cannabis. It's like, yeah. Well, and, then, and let me get, you know, being on a soapbox, the real problem is that, you know, we've been in this a long time. We're certainly one of the experts in science and, and cannabis. And then you have these VCs now jumping in and these corporate development people. And it's like, you know, just give us a chance because frankly, we know more about this than you do. Yep. Uh, and they're making these decisions on antiquated perspectives. And it's, yeah, it's not easy. But It'll change though. It's going to take some time, but it's going to change without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you can help us with that, that would be great. <laughs> Phil, get on that, would you? Uh, working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we'd love to help you guys with it, too. I mean, that's kind of the whole goal, right, is to get people to. Uh... But one last thing I'll leave you with. One thing that's great about doing what we do is finding, you know, preparations that work for people. I just last weekend brought, uh, uh, prop, uh, you know, to give props to escape artists they have this topical that's just amazing it's a one-to-one -one cbd thc and i gave it to a friend of mine to give to his dad or there's a woman who is using ambien every night to go to sleep and i gave her some delta eight and she came back and said it changed her life i mean how cool is that uh, my aunt is the same she uh, and anything with cbn that's my that's my new favorite um is the the addition i mean i do think it needs it with cbd and thc but like I'm I'm a giant fan. So, um, well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Phil, did you have anything else? No, I think this was a great conversation. David, thank you again for your time today. This was fantastic. Likewise. Thanks, you guys, for having us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And have a great day. Thanks again to David Trailer of Golden Eagle Partners. Check them out at goldeneaglepartners.com. And as always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, please find us on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We love your feedback and guest ideas. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. One take, Shay. One take. Cannabis! Cannabis!